Well, uh, if you'll turn in your scriptures to the book of Revelation and chapter 19. We're going to be looking at the first two verses, Revelation 19, 1 through 2. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Let's go to this God in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We pray that as we think about it in these next few minutes, that you would bring glory to your name, that you'd become even greater in our minds, that we would be struck with awe at just who you are, and that we would leave this place, Lord, rejoicing in your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we have here in these verses is a, it's a little snapshot from visions from God to the Apostle John as he was in exile, being persecuted for Christ. And these visions in Revelation are full of symbolic elements. So um, the, the great prostitute, for example, is not a literal person, but represents a great enemy of God and of his servants. And in the previous chapters... To set a little context, she is depicted as uh, being intoxicated with the blood of the martyrs, uh, boasting in great power and wealth, and so definitely not a positive image here. But this great foe of God's people was living on borrowed time, and God judges her for her great evil. And... Uh, in chapter 18, there's a sort of funeral dirge-like lament as those who participated in the sins of this, of this great prostitute, they, they weep and they're in, in great dismay as they see her downfall. And right after that, right on the heels of that here in chapter 19, we have this rejoicing in heaven. And the saints of God crying out, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, and celebrating uh, his justice and his salvation. And I think the main point of this text is that God's enemies are judged, and God's people rejoice in the end. So in the end, God's enemies are judged, and God's people rejoice. And the reason for that is that though God's enemies may seem great and mighty, numerous. Our God is greater far. And so this evening, with the rest of our time, I just want us to consider the salvation and the glory and the power that belong to our God. And though the world may boast in salvation and glory and power, these things belong to God alone. And I think one of the purposes of this text is to remind us when we're facing trials and persecution and suffering as we, as we go through this world, as we're waiting for his return, who our God is. Um, like Ryan Martin uh, reminded us in, in 
brought out in the psalm this morning, that though our suffering may be great, those who oppose God may be many, we can turn our focus upward and remember the God that we serve and be encouraged. We can lay down and sleep and, and rest and awake for he has sustained us. And this is a glimpse of, of a time to come. It's a, a, a glimpse into the atmosphere of heaven, as one pastor put it. A glimpse of our destination. So let this thought encourage us even this evening. And uh, Ryan, he led us to consider this morning, do we pray to God to remove our circumstances? Or do we pray that in, his, in those circumstances, God would sustain us? And we have great hope that God even uses our trials to work in us an exceeding weight of glory. But we also hope, and, and this is what this text points to, that one day God will even remove the suffering. He will remove those circumstances, and it won't be this way forever. So we can rejoice in that, that this passage encourages us that our suffering is temporary. But while we are in this evil age, we may hear a different tune. As we, as we go through this world, we may hear others saying that, for example, salvation belongs to them. I think this is, might be most clear in the case of a martyr. And you think of somebody saying, we will save your life if you will just deny Christ. We can give you life or we can take it. Um, but we might also hear it in the workplace. I mean, most of us don't wake up every morning thinking that we could be arrested today and fed to the lions in the Colosseum tomorrow. But we may still hear the world uh, tempting us and, and saying us that sa salvation belongs to us. It might look like job security as you're tempted to compromise on the job, as maybe you're threatened with losing that security of, of a financial security unless you do this or don't say anything about this. And basically what, what the world is saying is that salvation belongs to us. It looks like financial security. It looks like job security. But what kind of salvation is this? On judgment day, money will not avail us. And our own Lord said, don't fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Or we may see the glory of this world and, and see it as desirable. Um, the glory of being accepted by the, the in-group. Maybe um, avoiding mockery and ridicule and instead receiving praise and applause from peers and from those we, we respect. It's difficult to follow Christ, especially when we get mocked for it. Maybe you've recently been put down for, for not sleeping around, for desiring to honor God by saving sex for marriage. Maybe you've been looked, looked at as some kind of alien because you won't go and watch that movie or that TV show. You know, what, what are you, some kind of Puritan or something? I know around here that's actually a, uh, a compliment, yes. But it's not quite that way, not in the world, yeah. So... It's hard not to have that acceptance from others. And it's, it's hard not to fit in. But what kind of glory is this? I mean, on that day, all the applause of men and 
and our peers will just fade away. And the only thing that will matter is God saying either welcome, you know, well done, our good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. Perhaps for our church, we may be tempted at times to glory in other things uh, other than Christ, maybe um, being Baptist, um, maybe our location right here on the university, um, our size, our affiliations, our worship team. But in the end, even uh, UBC will we'll fade in, will join in with this mass of believers, and together we will exalt the one to whom all glory belongs. All the glory belongs to our God. But we may also be tempted to yield to the power of those that might, might put pressure on us to compromise. Um, the world boasts of great power. There's great power and influence to be had if we will just maybe um, get rid of, of some of our Stone Age convictions. Uh, maybe the belief in traditional marriage. That's something that gets attacked a lot these days. We want the world to listen to us. We want to be seen as influential, as knowledgeable in the world. We're, we're pressured to put away some of these things. We don't want to be seen as bigots, as, as narrow-minded. And there's power to be had if we just give up some of these narrow views. There's real power to be had. Or is it? What kind of power is this? It will be nothing on that day when we stand before our maker, the one who spoke galaxies into existence and upholds everything by the word of his power. The world has no power apart from God. Even our enemies, though they seem powerful, they have no power unless God gives it to them. He grants it to them. He grants us our very heartbeat and the very breath that we breathe moment by moment. Power belongs to our God. And so... Uh, we see God's people crying out, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. He is our salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Glory belongs to him. He owns power. He is the source of power, and he gives these to whom he pleases. We are all at the mercy of this God. And so, by way of application, what an encouragement this is for us to know our God. You know, theology is very practical so that whenever we're in a trial, we can know the character of our God. We can know the promises of our God. We can look to Him whenever our enemies are numerous and many. And we can look up, and as, as David, you know, he's my shield. And he cries out to God, and he reminds himself of these truths about God that comfort him in the midst of that, that intense time. And so theology is practical. And how much encouragement do we miss because maybe we're filling our minds with so many other things, uh, the news, social media, and maybe we should be thinking more about the Word of God and filling our minds with His promises, getting to know them, and, and letting these things encourage us. So remembering God's mighty acts, may we press on to know our God and, you know, he created the universe and humanity. And when we fell into sin, he promised us a savior. And that savior came in the form of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And as was predicted by the prophets, he died on the cross. 
And as the prophets and as Jesus himself promised, he was raised from the dead after three days, raised in power, just as he promised. He kept all of these promises, setting in motion this great act of salvation, and he will bring it to completion. And he will bring it to completion in each one of us who have believed upon him. For he that began a good work in us will complete it. He will bring us to the end. It would, it would tarnish his glory if he did not. So as we look and see all the evil around us and the evil within us, we might think we can never make it. But look up, brother. Look up, sister. And remember our faithful God. Salvation belongs to him from beginning to end. If you're here and you've not trusted Christ to save you, um, acknowledging your sin, uh, renouncing it, bowing to Christ alone as the king, the true king that he is, I pray that you would tonight. And if you have any questions about what it means to be a true Christian, please come and ask any of us afterwards. We'd be happy to talk with you. I grew up in church. Uh, I thought I was a Christian for many years, but I was just trusting in my own righteousness. I was trusting in a prayer that I had prayed and thankfully, praise be to God, he opened my eyes. So please don't feel afraid or ashamed to talk about these things. And as we await the return of our king to judge the world in righteousness just as he promised, for his judgments are true and just, we who have trusted him and rested in his salvation, let us just be encouraged tonight we will be delivered from our circumstances. As terrible as they may be, Christ will return. And this will be us praising him on that day and singing salvation and glory and power belong to our God.